Welcome back to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther, Lily, and my guide dog, Lewis. Today, Lily's got some tips on recycling. Lily and I got to visit the international plowing match that happens once a year. I'm going to pass on some tips on working around livestock, horses, bulls, cattle. And I'm going to reflect a bit on where farms are going. There's a little bit of a two-path situation evolving in Canada. You'll hear more about that. So whether you prefer cowboy boots or clog kickers, come join me on the hay wagon and let's go find Miss Lily. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hi, Lily. Hi. Hey, I understand you've got some really good recycling tips for us. I'm never 100% sure which thing goes in which bin. And I always got a little anxiety when I'm tossing stuff in there. Am I wasting my time? Am I going to wreck everything? No, yeah, I noticed. I noticed you're not 100% sure all the time. (laughs) First off, here's a few things to think about when deciding if something is actually recyclable. A product or package should not be marketed as recyclable unless it meets three criteria. One, at least 60% of customers have access to recycling facilities that accept the item. Two, it can be sorted by existing recycling infrastructure. And three, the item retains its quality when turned into a new item, meaning a party cup is actually made into another party cup. Hmm. So are you saying that everything we put into the blue and black bin is actually recycled? Uh, Even if your local recycling program accepts certain items, there might not be anyone who wants to buy them and recycle them. Downcycling is when the recyclability of something is reduced over time, like turning a party cup into a park bench. Upcycling is turning something into a product of greater value, like those super expensive deck boards you installed on our front step. (laughs) I know, they cost me $80 for every 12-foot board. I couldn't believe it. What other recommendations do you have? Um, well, avoid black plastic and small items like bottle caps and utensils. They can't be sorted by recycling machines. Plastic boxes for products like lettuce are also not very recyclable. Um, remove the thin plastic sleeve of any plastic bottle before you put it in the bin. Otherwise, it won't make it into the recycling process. What about biodegradable or compostable plastic? Does it really exist? Well, personally, the idea of composting plastic is problematic because we don't know what chemicals are in these products. Hmm. I don't want them in the soil. What about cans? Aluminum cans are not so innocent. Your drinks and foods could be touching BPA used to coat the inside of the can. Smashing bottles or crushing cans makes it harder for recycling machines to sort them. They teach us this in school. Actually, if you crush a can, it sometimes the recycling machines will think that it's paper and put it in the paper batch, which will completely ruin everything. Wow. You know, I always thought, you know, just trying to save space, but I won't do that anymore. What about paper, Lily? Uh, Non-soft paper products that don't have food on them can be recycled. Everything else like paper towels, tissues, or toilet paper is either compost or garbage. Okay. And juice boxes? Those juice boxes, the bane of my existence, <laughs> not I, so much I anymore. I love those. Yes, we, we always get those. Don't, oh, don't pretend know. we don't still uh, you, buy those. Because you go grocery shop with your mom. Yeah. Or, or are you just going on your own now? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I will still buy those. So Tetra Packs, or paper-like on the outside, silver on the inside, 
juice and food pouches, and single-use condiment packets are not recyclable. So oh. no more Capri Sun for you. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Also, if aerosol cans aren't empty, they can explode if compacted. So be sure the whipped cream container is completely empty before you toss it in the blue bin, which is so frustrating because they never work. Even when you know there's like the there's a little bit left at the bottom of the can, they always stop working. You try to empty them, do you? Personally? <laughs> well, no. I mean, we only buy whipped cream like once a year. Yeah. And then you think, oh, hey, there's plenty left in the can. Nope. Can't stops working. Out. Oh. Yeah. That's frustrating. What about things like linen? So like towels and sheets and, you know, things like that. Uh, many animal shelters take used towels and blankets. So there you go. That's a nice thing to do with your old towels, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hey. Thanks, Lily. Time for the bucket list. Hey, Lily, what did you think about the international plowing match? Was it everything you hoped it would be? No. No? Food wasn't even good. Um, You know, it's so disappointing considering it's all about farming yeah uh you think they'd have much better food to show the best farmers have to offer but no i know i just smelled greasy hamburgers you know on a on a griddle everywhere i went junk food what was with that right like holy Mm. mackerel lily i I didn't buy anything was there anything you wanted to buy i don't think you you bought anything either i mean you know me cowboy boots buckles hats you know (laughs) i love that type of stuff oh yeah oh yeah my favorite yeah, so uh, did you see any nice cowboy boots and hats there and buckles? Belt buckles or something you gotta, I think you need to earn the right to wear through rodeo, horseback riding, all that. You actually need to spend more time farming, you know, doing that type of country life right. than I do. Yeah. Uh, cowboy hats, great, but you know, winter's coming. We don't need a hat. We don't need the cowboy hats for then. And then they don't cover your ears, right? You need a good toque. Uh, thank you. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about when I'm buying a hat. Yeah. Cowboy boots, I have a pair. I wore them on Saturday. I love cowboy boots, but I think mine were nicer than anyone they had to sell. But I think mine were nicer than anyone they had to sell. And I, I don't mind bragging about that. I found them at the thrift store for 30 bucks. So. Yeah, I think I think your mother was looking at a pair. They were two hundred eighty nine dollars, but she didn't say, "Hey, I I want to get these." And, and I looked at them. They they looked okay. They were leather lined, leather on the inside, leather on the outside. They looked well made. Nothing fancy. No, no inlay. Uh, nothing silver. Nothing flashy. Just sturdy boots. Yeah, I mean, mine are worth about that much new. And I got them at the thrift store for $30, yeah, and that's fantastic. my favorite thing ever. I wear them all the time. Yeah, it just adds a couple more inches to your already... 5'11". <laughs> you're over six feet with those cowboy boots on. Um, yeah, I'm taller than you. No, you're not. Almost. Lily, I found my way into a tiny house with your mother. Yeah, of and, course you did. And we thought, well, here's you know something for you know older people, maybe homeless people. No, it was nothing like that. It was It was a wood house on the outside. It was sort of just crudely finished but on the inside it was just studs it had a loft with a ladder going up above and i'm thinking why is this not finished like why is it unfinished in here and then i thought well maybe this is some housing for your temporary foreign workers that you know do most of the heavy lifting on our farms these days you know thousands of foreign workers come over to plant and to pull weeds and to harvest our our fruits and vegetables and flowers out of our farm fields back-breaking work in the hot sun uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that they're not just sleeping in that, you know, what I wouldn't even consider to be a very nice ice shack. 
So, Lily, what did you think about the Canadian cowgirls and their riding technique? Ah, that was very patriotic of them. Their costumes were white chaps with the Canadian maple leaves and the white fringe. Um, I don't know much about precision riding, but I'm sure that if anyone who's seen it, they'd think, man, that's impressive. They had a lot of interesting things to say about just carrying the flag and thanking, you know, our military for all they do. It seemed to be very pro-military and they're going to a lot of these rodeos. I mean, they Mm -hmm. travel all over Canada to do this precision riding demonstration. So they must come across a lot of uh, military people uh, or ex-military. I hope it's not just about recruitment. What prize did they get this year? They got a prize at the Calgary Stampede for best group ensemble like out of 800 horses yeah. they won the first prize 800 compete like teams lily i, I found the uh, ojibwe pony uh display pretty interesting and that they brought that in the middle of the precision ride that the the kenny and cowgirls stepped off and um these very small ponies not much bigger than my guide dog i guess what, what no they, they were like? bigger than your guide dog <laughs> <laughs> they were bigger than your guide so, dog. okay tell us what they looked like i've only ever seen spirit ponies that are like a tan color with usually dark brown or black tails and manes there's a really popular movie called spirit and it's a disney cartoon movie for kids that came out a while back and it's about uh no jibway spirit pony really yeah and can you ride these little horses the ones we saw we saw a 14 year old mare and a four month old filly yeah and the 14-year-old mare was not very big. I mean, like a small kid could ride that, you know. Yeah. The baby was so cute. Oh, my oh. gosh. She was so cute. <laughs> Their names were uh, Sweet Grass and Cedar. They say there's about 250 of these spirit ponies left in North America that uh, early settlers killed them all because they considered them pests, you know, getting into their crops. Mm-hmm. But, you know... The legend or the history or our history is that horses didn't show up in North America until Cortez showed up and, you know, went across uh, the southern United States with his horses and pigs and all his people and then just left the horses behind. And, and, and those horses spread through North America and, and were adopted by uh, First Nations people for hunting and traveling and so forth. But now uh, we're hearing, you know, from First Nations people that they've always had these spirit ponies and they were an integral part of their existence up here in, in carrying things and helping to pull things and part of their life. And it goes way, way, way back before Cortez showed up. This is interesting, you know, traditional knowledge, right? And local knowledge, the two things don't always align. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll all be sorted out eventually, I guess. And But, you know, you they, they believe it and we believe them. We have no reason not to. No. Exactly. Yeah, it's too bad we didn't get that Ram Rodeo to get to see that, but uh, the stands were packed. Yeah, and it was a small, small corral, so there weren't that many seats around. Oh, okay. A lot of people came for the rodeo, I think. I mean, how often do you get to see a rodeo with bucking broncos and bull riding and That's all that? That's every rodeo, Dad. <laughs> but the rodeos don't come to Ottawa too often. That's now demolition derbies have replaced the rodeos. Oh, I'm a huge fan of a good rodeo. Yeah. I love a good rodeo. I love the barrel racing the bull riding the broncos love it well we took you to a rodeo in Leftbridge, alberta i know i remember i was so young i was like eight years old seven years old i barely remember it but i remember enough to think yep this is freaking cool it was big you know one of the tents i went into was conservation ontario Mm -hmm. and uh, they have i think 32 different locations across ontario 
where they have conservation and, and protected areas where you can have hiking trails and enjoy the beauty of nature. Quite often these places are located around urban centers, but they had a huge tent with uh, all sorts of activities for young people to do in there. And I thought that was pretty cool. Start them young, right? Start these young people on down the road of conservation. And to have that there at the plowing match, what it says to me is you can cut down the trees and you can clear the stumps and turn it into farmland, but don't touch the wetland. Ontario, Southern Ontario has already lost 90% of its wetland. And I wouldn't say that's all the agriculture by any stretch of the imagination. That's housing, all sorts of development. But we have to take care of our wetlands. That's how we charge our aquifers. It's also an important place for, for life to begin. So to have it there, I think, sends a message to the agricultural community. This is important. You want to learn more? Come on in. I really liked Adamanda's booth. She had a little plastic Tupperware with some mud and some sticks in it. And there was a little crawdad walking around. And he was alive. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. He, oh. was, he was really cute. He was a small one. A little crayfish. He was like the size of my thumb. Wow. Lily, the one thing that really caught my imagination and, and got me excited, there was a wall and at one tent, a, a whole section where they had hanging up these computer engraved wooden maps of all my mm. favorite lakes of the area where I could actually feel the lakes, you know, the shape of the lakes. And they were selling it for like $100 for a big one, $60 for a small one. And I asked the I asked the people there. I said, "Are, are you going to do these with three uh, D printers?" She said, "Well, everyone's asking, so it's probably coming." But I'm thinking, you know, you get that map and put it through a three D printer. Man, it won't be long before I have all those maps of uh, of my favorite lakes. I w I'm looking forward to that. Another thing your mother and I saw was that these heritage but brand new wood stoves oh, that you can God. cook on. The, you you saw that. The wood stoves. Yeah. Your favorite topic of conversation <laughs> as of recently. I know. Yeah. But your mother and I could just picture ourselves in a nice little cabin somewhere with a wood stove heating the cabin in the, in the cool nights and, and cooking on it. And, and, and then in the summer, these wood stoves had two uh, gas burners off to one side. So you could just cook on the gas burner instead of firing up the wood stove, or you could do both, or you could just have the wood stove go in and cook on the wood stove side of things. But beautiful pieces of art with gorgeous curves and lines and pieces of chrome on it. Just absolutely beautiful. $8,000. It weighs about 250 kilos. Because I asked, I said, do, do these things ever get stolen out of cabins? He goes, oh, no, they're way too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> See, as you can tell, folks, he is very excited about the wood stove. <laughs> I want one. Yeah, But clearly. not, not $8,000. So. Where, would, where would you put a wooden stove? Does that mean you want to get a cabin? Because if so, yeah, I'm dying. Snaps for the wood stove. <laughs> get a cabin. Well, Lily, you know, Bluefish Canada is on a search to find some land to provide uh, researchers space to study shorelines and fish habitat and fish in different parts of uh, eastern Ontario mm -hmm. and to bring young people and their mentors to sh teach them to become citizen scientists and stewards of their environment. You know, we've been doing a lot of this stuff with partners over the last 10 years and we've got some great educational materials. We've got some great experience. We've, we've got the know-how and we've got a lot of demand. People are asking us, where can we do this type of research? So we're looking, we're actively looking for, for, yeah. for land and shoreline that will uh, 
that will serve the purpose. And I, I think we've got a few interesting things that are coming along nicely. More on that to come. I mean, we visited that one last winter. You brought us in on the snowmobile because yeah. the roads were closed. The only way to get there from winter in winter is with the snowmobile. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. And it, I'm the one who drove us in and out of that thing. That was so fun. That was so much I fun. I love driving that snowmobile. I, it was so pretty. I have pictures there and the path is so nice because you're surrounded by trees. And it was a nice big cabin back in oh, there too. Yeah, it was a great cabin. And then, oh my gosh, you get you know what it had? A wood stove. A wood stove. <laughs> I always like looking at those side by sides and ATVs. They're uh-huh. they're pretty cool. I guess they're popular on farms now. People don't use horses to round up the cattle anymore. It's all done with machines. Yeah. The snowmobiles work great in the winter, but you need something in the summer. Those little blue LG tractors made in South Korea. I don't know anything about tractors. None, nothing, but they're all uh, what you'd call a bluefish Canada blue. Oh, yeah. And the tires are a bit bigger than a truck tire, very knobby, like a Jeep type tire. So they don't have the traditional tractor tires. But uh, let's listen to what the uh, gentleman has to say about them, the one responsible for selling these tractors in Canada. Yeah, slide on to Curtis. I'm Curtis Pitcher with LS Tractor USA here. So we represent the product across the country. So where are your tractors made? Uh, they're made in South Korea, part of the LG company that makes uh, TVs, fridges, stoves, and tractors. They're huge. LG is huge. Yeah, huge conglomerate company. So we build tractors, like I said, 40 years. Uh, we build uh, also for some other OEM brands. So what's your most popular tractor? Uh, ours would probably be in that biggest size, under 25 horsepower. Uh, it's about half the tractors almost across the country are sold that way. So it's an MT1 series and a 22 or 25 horse tractor. That's a Yanmar three-cylinder diesel. And what could you do with a tractor like that? Like, what kind of work could you do with it? I've got a slew of attachments. You can get a dealer-installed cab if you like for winter use. Front mount snowblower is an option, which is popular this time of year. Uh, loaders, backhoes, mid-mount mowers, all sorts of stuff. Can you pull like uh, implements like plows and uh, balers and things? And... No, we're definitely more the homeowner residential kind of size. Uh, we do sell up to a 101 horsepower tractor that's getting into more of that market. Um, but we're definitely more focused in the smaller kind of residential, maybe some contractors and some lighter farm usage. So competing with the Kubota people. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, so what's what's a tractor like that sell for? Uh, you're looking at starting around $18,000 or so for a 22 horsepower with a loader. And uh, the warranty on something like that is? Yeah, two years bumper to bumper, six year powertrain. Do they hold their value well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, we've built for about 20 years tractors in North America, so something like that. Uh, it's not like a car where you're losing 30% when you drive up the lot. You've definitely got something that's going to maintain value for years to come. Have you been enjoying the plowing match here is it going well oh yeah definitely we've got a great booth we're right inside of gate three here we got company sponsorship with our event trailers so uh we're a fantastic group of dealers in the area we got to put four of them within about a two-hour radius here nice well thank yeah. you so much yeah good talking to you there was a lot of tractors there i mean they were having the tractor plowing competitions hence the name international plowing match but um only what... white people really only white people oh not a lot of diversity in farming eh? no none oh. it's a shame yeah yeah, well, you know what? Considering the amount of foreign workers we have coming in every summer, the representation of BIPOC or people of color in farming is ridiculously low. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my reflections because it's not easy to get into farming. And, it's uh, a generational thing. It's, it's money. It's a money thing. Hey, Lily, thanks for all this. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left, 122 meters. South, southeast, southeast. 
Here's some tips for gathering in the dairy cattle for milking or going to fetch a horse to saddle it up for a ride. First, you better know what's in the field. You don't want to be getting into a field full of bulls without knowing it. I've been in fields with bulls. I've grown up on farms. And there's things you need to know if you're going to be in a field with bulls. First of all, don't bring your guide dog. Bulls do not like dogs. They remind them of wolves, and they want to kill wolves. Second, you don't want to give the bull the impression that you're scared. Don't look at him in the eye. Don't stare at him. Just pretend they're not even there. And the minute you need to walk back towards the fence and get out, you turn your back on him and never look back. Don't run. Just take your time. These bulls will think you're so confident, you're so unafraid of them, that they'll become afraid of you. They won't know what to do, but they won't attack you. Dairy cattle and horses are another thing altogether. When you approach a cow or a horse, you always want to let them know you're coming. You want to whistle, you want to talk, you want them to hear you. You do not want to be walking up behind one of these animals and put your hand on their backside, startling them. You're going to get kicked. You're going to scare them. You're going to sour the milk of the cow. You're going to scare the horse, possibly cause it some sort of injury. If you can't tell which way these animals are facing when you're walking towards them, just talk, whistle, make sure they hear you coming, and make sure you're in a good mood, that you're upbeat. They'll appreciate that. They'll pick up on your positive vibes. Last thing, if you can't see the cow patties, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay out of the field? Are you going to worry about that? Is that going to keep you away from the farm because you're afraid of stepping in a bit of cow dung or horse dung? You know what? People who live on farms, they don't care. They don't walk around looking down, zigzagging around cow patties. They would never get anything done. Just bring your old rubber boots and go at it. The farms today aren't what they used to be. It used to be you'd have a family and the parents and the grandparents and the children would all work together on the farm. They had everything they needed. They had the equipment. And everyone seemed to have what they needed. Everyone looked after themselves and looked after their neighbor if the neighbor got into trouble. Things have evolved. Equipment's gotten a lot bigger, a lot more expensive. You can't afford to buy a piece of machinery and use it only a week or two a year and just let it sit the rest of the time. When you're spending a million dollars on a tractor or some sort of harvester, that's just totally uneconomical. So what happened? Instead of each farmer having its own equipment, now you have one corporate farm that specializes in a certain crop. They buy up the neighbor's properties, take down the fences, so that big giant machine can roam around end to end on fields that are miles long without any hedgerows, without any trees, without any fences. It's going back to the way it was 100 years ago when Southern Ontario and many other parts of Canada were almost denuded of trees because farmers thought trees were bad. You had to get rid of them to plant your crops. Then we put the trees back into the hedgerows to stop the erosion of the farmland by the wind. Now we're going back again. There's less farms in Canada every year, according to Statistics Canada. Why is that? Well, these people are aging out. They're not passing on the farms to their children. They're selling their land to their neighbor, who's gobbling it up and adding it to their land collection to make their large corporate operation work and profitable. There is one other type of farm though that's becoming popular in Canada and this came out in the 2018 survey of farms in Canada by Statistics Canada 
And they found that farms that make under $100,000 a year and are owned by people under 35 years of age are growing in popularity. Their numbers are increasing. Now, why is that? These are the farms that are growing the organic products. You know, the fresh chicken eggs from free-range chickens, the grass-fed beef, the free-range pigs, the organic vegetables and crops that show up through your community-supported agriculture in a box at your home once a week. These types of organic, multi-purpose type, low-cost farms, the number of these farms are growing. People are looking for organic produce. They're looking for animals that are treated in ways that don't involve enclosures. They want to spend a little bit more. They want to eat food that they know is raised ethically, responsibly. Not that the big farms aren't following generally accepted practices. They are, and they have very good standards in many ways. But for some people, it's not enough. You know, five years ago, you didn't see a lot of organic food in the grocery stores. That's not the case anymore. So which is it for you? I know it's an economic question for a lot of people. Not everyone can afford to shop at Whole Foods. But if we buy what we can, we can make a difference. And we can send a message of what we're looking for from our farmers. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.